You're listening to Jesus is Everything, the teaching ministry of The Way, Eugene. This morning, grab your Bibles and turn over to 1 Corinthians chapter 4, and we're going to pull just a, a scripture from, from where we're doing our deeper study on Wednesday nights, as we're going verse by verse, 7 o'clock on Wednesday night. You can join us at the website, thewayeugene.org, and uh, we're on YouTube, The Way Eugene, and uh, we're going to just take one scripture here, and we're going to pull out a truth here that I think is is just, for me, it's, it's incredibly important, and something that in the last... I don't know how many years, decade since I've been married. I don't know. It's been a while that the Lord has just continued to work on this specific idea in my heart as I've studied the scripture and as I've pursued following after Jesus. And by no means, I'll add the caveat, by no means in any perfect way, Jesus is the only perfect one. But this is something that is near and dear to my heart, if you will. If you'll take a look at um, chapter 4, 1 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 6. It says this, I have applied all these things to myself and Apollos for your benefit, brothers and sisters, that you may learn by us not to go beyond what is written, that none of you may be puffed up in favor of one against another. For who sees anything different in you? What do you have that you did not receive? If then you received it, why do you boast as if you did not receive it? Now, this, this section of scripture, Paul is referring already to the things that he has taught and, and laid out before the Corinthians and set himself and Apollos up as an example. And so in this issue of uh, judgment of actions, this issue of authority, whose example it is that, that uh, the church at Corinth is supposed to be following, influence, imitation, all these things, Paul implores the church there to follow his and Apollos' example. And this is what he says again. He says, I've applied all of these things, these, these issues of judgment and who can judge me and, and who can't judge me, the issue of authority, who you should be imitating and following as disciples of Jesus, all of these things. I've applied these things to myself and Apollos for your benefit, brothers and sisters. And here's the phrase that I think is incredibly important for us, that you may learn by us not to go beyond what is written, that none of you may be puffed up in favor of one against another. Remember that Paul is having to speak to this church like little kids. He's having to be very explicit in what he's saying, and not explicit in terms of vulgarity, but explicit in terms in terms of being really clear. He's speaking to these uh, this church at Corinth as as uh, children, little kids, infants in the faith, not spiritually mature people who could sit and reason and, and talk back and forth and have logic being applied to, to how they're discussing back and forth. And it's very simply quite like how parents have to instruct their children, uh, you know, do it this way, uh, do it very specifically in this manner, do it this many times, but don't do this. How many times have parents had to had to say that to their kids? Do this, but don't do this. There's a there's a technique that we use in education for specific types of students within uh, the special education world. That's my field, and it's called hand over hand. And, and so there's a technique for certain students with certain uh, disabilities or challenges 
where you literally take your hand, put it on top of their hand and show them how to do the activity or action that you're teaching them. It's this very specific, very intentional manner of teaching. And that's what Paul's doing here. He's being very, very specific. And that's so good for us to hear this uh, instruction with, with specificity, right? And so he says, he's presenting himself and Apollo, saying that these, we are the ones, myself, Apollos, God has called us, Jesus has gifted us, the Holy Spirit's leading us, and we're the ones who, who are here to, to instruct you. Paul says, I laid the foundation of Jesus Christ, Apollos came, and, and, and he was a part of the teaching, all of these things. You're supposed to be imitating us and following us. And what he's saying is that we, we are proclaiming these things, that you don't go beyond the word that has been written concerning Jesus Christ, the Messiah. Remember, there's that scripture in, in 1 Corinthians chapter 2 that, that sort of becomes the governor for us, the rudder for us, as I've said before, that everything else Paul writes in 1 Corinthians and 2 Corinthians, for that matter, really refers back to, and it's this. He says, when I came to you, brothers and sisters, I didn't come proclaiming to you the testimony of God with lofty speech and wisdom, for I decided to know nothing among you except Jesus Christ and him crucified. That's it. Paul is saying, don't go beyond the word that has been written. And it's concerning Jesus Christ and him crucified. Not only his own words that he's spoken to them or written out rather in a letter, but the words of the prophets in the Old Testament. Don't go beyond their intention. Don't go beyond the purpose for which God has spoken to the world. And that is to point to Jesus Christ and him crucified. Jesus the Messiah. Don't go beyond the word as it concerns him. Now, here's how that fleshes out a bit for us. If a pastor or a leader or a church attempts to take what's been written in the scriptures and apply it in a manner that doesn't either do one of two things, move toward salvation in Jesus Christ or come directly from salvation in Jesus Christ alone, head for the hills. Here's what I mean. Don't misunderstand me. Biblical principles can and do help us to understand our lives, right? Biblical principles, the truth of scripture, man, they help us to, to know how to think rightly about our relationships with one another, our relationship to the world. They help us to understand money and how money is supposed to be used, uh, uh, leadership, all these different topical issues or manners that we encounter in life. Biblical principles absolutely teach us how to look at those things and deal with those things in a godly manner. But there's, there's a difference in how we approach those things. Now, here's what I'll say. There are, when there were Christian bookstores open, whether it's Amazon now or wherever you go, christianbook.com or whatever the, the case might be, there are just shelves or virtual shelves full of topical books that address specific issues in life and do so from a Christian perspective or from a biblical perspective. So whether it is those issues, and those are some of the ones that when you go and look, they're the top of the list. Uh, you know, Christian advice on how to deal with your money and your finances. Christian advice on, on how to deal with relationships, whether it be marriage or work relationships or children. Uh, tons of leadership books that come out of the principles of Scripture. 
those things are fine. I'm not judging those things or putting those things down. But here's what Paul is instructing the church to understand and to do. It's this. He says, don't go beyond what is written, that none of you may be puffed up in favor of one against another. The story of Scripture, what has been written for our benefit, the Word of God breathed out, spoken out through the authors of Scripture, the story of the Bible is not how to become a better leader. The story of the Bible is not how to repair your relationship with your children or, or have a good marriage or have a successful life. That is not the story of the Bible. Now, does the Bible inform all of those things? Yes, it does. But that is not the purpose of the Bible. I'll say it this way. It's been said like this before, but it perhaps helps us to, again, very clearly and explicitly put our minds in the right place as we approach the scripture. You and I, as we read the stories of the Bible, we are not David and our financial struggles are not Goliath. We are not David, the little Israelite boy with the sling and, and, the, and the meager resources, the five stones from the riverbed, and our broken relationships are not Goliath. They're not the thing looming over us and, and causing problems for us. In fact, this is, talk about a principle, anytime in scripture where you see something heroic or miraculous occur, it's not you and it's not me. We're not the hero ever in any of the pictures or stories of scripture. Jesus is the hero. He's the one that gets recognition. He's the one who gets all praise. Jesus is the hero of the story in every picture of Scripture. And far too often, we, the world, Christianity in the West, has tried to take the Scripture and open it up and go, see here, you're right here in the Bible. This is you. Take this principle, apply it to your life, and then you'll have success, a healthy relationship, financial stability, whatever the case might be. And the truth is, is that just isn't the case, the story of the Bible, from back to front, the whole thing, the story of the Bible is the story of salvation and redemption in and through Jesus Christ. That's the purpose. That's the story. Everything. And again, I'll say this again so you don't mishear me. It's not that there aren't principles that we take and apply to life. Yes, the Bible informs how to think about relationships how to act in relationships, how we should think about money and what we use our money for. It, 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 it absolutely teaches all these things. But like I said, if someone is, is not teaching these things with a direct connection either toward Jesus for the purpose of salvation, meaning someone's a non-believer, man, someone who's not a, not a believer in Jesus and wants to fix a part of their life, this isn't just a, a moral therapeutic deism. This isn't just another form of psychology or a different path to take to try and fix the issues of your life. None of the truths of the Bible can be helpful in the way that people want them to be unless you're in Christ, unless you've believed upon Jesus for salvation. And, and then when you are a Christian, when you are in Christ, coming out of our new identity, forgiven of our sins, that's when 
all the other principles and truths of Scripture can be applied to us because we're in Christ. That's the key. That's why Paul says in chapter 2, I determine not to know anything among you except for Jesus Christ and his, Him crucified. This may seem elementary. This may seem like the starting point for many of us, or many of us may have been taught in our life in the church that, the, that our salvation in Jesus is just the starting point. And then everything else comes out from that. That's true, but understand that the salvation that we get through the cross of Jesus Christ, his death and his resurrection, isn't only the starting point. It is the point of everything that we encounter in our life. And so the story of the Bible is the story of salvation and redemption in and through Jesus Christ and him alone. Let me read to you from Ephesians chapter 1, a different letter that Paul writes to a different church in a different city. But again, we've seen over and over Paul writing similar things, meaning the issues in the church from day one were not isolated to one city or one group of people. They were in all of the people and in all of the churches, and they're in all of the churches now. There is no church that sort of has everything figured out. It's just Everybody has the same issues to deal with. And here's, so, here's, so here is what Paul says in Ephesians chapter 1, beginning in verse 7. He says, In him we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of our trespasses, according to the riches of his grace, which he lavished upon us in all wisdom and insight, making known to us the mystery of his will according to his purpose, which he set forth in Christ, as a plan for the fullness of time to unite all things in him, things in heaven and things on earth. It's the story of redemption through the blood of Jesus Christ. That is the purpose of everything God has spoken to his people throughout the ages. It's the purpose of the church today. And where we can get sidetracked is start thinking of, thinking, well, I know salvation, I know Jesus, I know the cross, we celebrated at Easter, you know, and then the rest of the time, my life and following after Jesus, I need something that sort of tells me how to deal with my husband or my wife or my kids or, uh, you know, find a way to be healthy, wealthy, and wise, all those kinds of little things. And what we miss out on often is that Jesus Christ and him crucified is the thread that has to flow through everything that takes place in our life. And without it, we don't have the meaning, the purpose, or the power to do anything that we're called to in the abundant life that Jesus says that he, that we're supposed to have. Jesus said he came to give us this abundant life. And that abundance that he talks about is simply the outcome of our salvation and then the obedience that we have to the things that Jesus teaches us. You know, far too often historically throughout the church, and, and perhaps it was um, a desire to be gracious, or perhaps, you know, there have been these movements or, or, or uh, words spoken to not um, miss out on what God might be doing, right? And as a result of that, people have used the phrase, well, the Bible doesn't say we can't, Right? Far too often I've encountered that where people have said in, in justification of some sort of behavior or activity within the church or man-made structure within the church in governance or, or, or decision-making. They say, well, the Bible doesn't say we can't do this, and it becomes a justification of something that is purely out of the mind of man and not the mind of God. Anytime that phrase, well, the Bible doesn't say we can't, 
Anytime that is used as an excuse to validate some form of man-made uh, invention or division in the church, it's really poor exegesis and poor discipleship. Those people who are using that phrase, well, the Bible doesn't say we can't, haven't studied their Bible enough to hear the instructions of what we are supposed to be doing. And so there's, there's speaking of principles, there's three things that I want to give you this morning that, that help us in terms of how we approach the Bible and how it speaks to us. Number one is this, when the Bible is silent, then we must be silent. Where the Bible doesn't speak to something specifically or intentionally, then we better be very cautious about the opinions we form or the things that we say. Now, this is a call to study our Bibles deeply to be able to know what God is saying and, and how what he does say applies to our lives. Now, where the Bible speaks clearly, we must be faithful and obedient. See, when the Bible does say something that is explicit and clear, we can't be people who go, but I don't like what it's saying, so I'm going to choose not to follow it. And that's that's happened throughout the history of the church as well, where people have said, I, I like this, what the Bible's saying, and I'll follow this, but this page, I don't like that page. I don't like how it talks about uh, identifying sin or, or cutting people off and, and God judging people, those kinds of things. If we're going to believe one thing in Scripture, we have to believe all of it. And so where the Bible speaks clearly, we must be faithful and obedient. And finally, where the Bible speaks with nuance, those statements that God makes that are both and, that perhaps are a bit confusing to us, in those statements that are both and, we must be discerning. We must seek for and pray for the guidance of the Holy Spirit to lead us into what Jesus said he would do. Lead us into all truth. That's the work of the Holy Spirit in us. And so the reason here that Paul is pointing to himself and to Apollos as examples was something very specific. He says, I've applied all these things to myself and Apollos for your benefit, brothers and sisters, that you may learn by us not to go beyond what is written, that none of you may be puffed up in favor of one against another. Paul is saying and being very clear that the issue that was going on in Corinth was pride. It was an issue of, we like that guy, but not that guy. We appreciate that guy's gift more than that guy's gift. We like listening to that guy talk and not that guy talk. There was this issue that was creating divisions and schisms, and the root of it was pride. And Paul is saying, don't go beyond what's written so that you don't get puffed up. Just take what, what is true and what we know to be right. Jesus Christ and him crucified and just base everything off of that. And then everything else that the Lord wants to do is great. It's all part of the same thing. Just following Jesus and worshiping Jesus. And so then Paul, after, after identifying that this issue is pride in the church and saying, follow our example. We've done all of these things. We've applied all these truths to our lives. Me and Apollos, imitate me as I imitate Christ. So that you don't get puffed up, he then asks three questions that the church can consider for themselves and help to remind us to keep Jesus and his cross central to everything that we do. So here's the three questions that Paul asks, beginning in verse 7. 
First, who sees anything different in you? What do you have that you did not receive? If then you received it, why do you boast as if you did not receive it? Those are the three questions. The first being, for who sees anything different in you? The issue being, when we are in Christ, who is it that makes us different from the world? Who is it that causes us to think differently, to feel differently, to act differently than how the world would act, think, or feel? See, the difference between us and those who are not in Christ is Jesus Christ. He's the one that makes us different. See, we didn't determine anything or create anything in our life that makes us better or different than anyone else in the world. When we're lined up next to someone else in the world, the only difference and that difference should be apparent, is Jesus Christ and him crucified. He asks the next question, what do you have that you did not receive? Paul, remember, calls them saints. They're brothers and sisters. They're brethren, although they're immature. And even though they're immature, there's the Holy Spirit presence. There is an abundance of giftings in Corinth. And, and the question is, what do you have that you didn't receive? Remember, any spiritual blessing that you have, any gift that comes from the Holy Spirit supernaturally, or any skill that you have that has been built up in the church, any role that you've been given or called to within the church and in the life of the church is simply a gift from God that you were called to, as he said at the beginning of chapter 4, serve like an under rower or be a steward of, one who's a caretaker and a manager of the things that God has given to you. So listen, if there's any difference between you and the world, it's Jesus and him crucified, not anything you've done. If you have a gift or a role in the church of any kind, it's a gift. It's a gift from God to you. And then finally, he says, if then you've received it, if you have one of these roles or this gift, why do you boast as if you did not receive it? How can you and I boast of anything but what Paul says, the cross of Jesus Christ, who has called us to salvation, enabled us through his spirit and the power of the Holy Spirit to do anything. And so I'll leave us today just with this thought. We have no ability to boast about anything we have to do or anyone that we are in the kingdom of God. Paul would say this in Galatians chapter 6, verse 14. Check it out. Galatians 6, 14. He says, but far be it from me to boast except in the cross of our Lord Jesus Christ, by which the world has been crucified to me and I to the world. Now, trust me, that's a whole nother sermon. I would love to jump off right now and begin talking about what it looks like for the world to be crucified to us and we crucified to the world's consideration. But that's for another time. But man... If Paul is saying, imitate me as I imitate Christ, all the things that I'm teaching you, I've applied to myself so that you and I here today in 2020, the church at Corinth back then, we would learn not to go beyond the word, not to go beyond what has been written down for our instruction. Don't try and create something beyond what God has given us in the word. Which, as we know, and as we've said already, the heart of it, the crux of it, the very core of it, is Jesus Christ and him crucified. It 
may seem like a simple thing. It may seem like the starting point for many of us. But let's be encouraged and remember that Jesus Christ and him crucified is everything to us. And so I pray that you can be encouraged in that and that you would hold Jesus close, that you would have fellowship with him, that you would know him and even know his sufferings. Here we are, quarantined, isolated, distant. Man, rather than lament those things, look perhaps rather to the example of Jesus in those things, how Jesus would go and and isolate himself for periods of time so that he could have fellowship with the Father and hear the voice of the Lord speak to him. Man, I pray that you hold Jesus and his example close to you. And if you're someone who hasn't believed upon Jesus, if you haven't taken the faith that God has given you and placed it upon Jesus for salvation, if you're still looking for a relationship to save you, if you're looking for money to save you, if you're looking for some other pleasure zone uh, experience to save you, to fulfill your life, you're missing out and you're going to find that those things are going to leave you empty. And so if you haven't taken that faith that God has given you and placed it upon Jesus Christ for salvation, both eternally, so that when we're done in this world, we are with Christ forever, but also salvation right now so that we know our purpose in life, and that is to worship Jesus. Man, I, I beg you, I ask you sincerely to believe upon the Lord Jesus Christ right now, to take that faith God has given you, that belief, and, and listen to the things that have been spoken out of the word and say, I believe Jesus that you died on the cross for my sins and rose from the grave to promise me eternal life. I say this often, it's becoming a weekly thing. The Bible promises us, God's word promises us that if we believe upon Jesus for salvation, we will never be put to shame. The world may look at us funny. We may not experience all the successes or joys that the world promises us. But in our Father's house, in the kingdom of God, we will never be put to shame. We will always be cared for, and our best interest will always be served by God through Jesus Christ. And so I ask you today, if you have not believed upon Jesus, simply cry out to him. Say, Jesus, I've heard the word. I don't understand it all, but I believe that you died on the cross to pay for my sin, and that by your blood you have washed me clean of any guilt, any fault, and now I stand in the presence of God clean. I believe that you rose from the grave to promise me that when I die, I will be resurrected to eternal life. So if that's you, if you're for the first time believing upon Jesus for salvation, man, I want to say, God bless you. I praise Jesus for you. And I would ask even that you would just get in contact with me or Pastor Matt. Send us an email. It'll be linked below. You can go to the website and connect with us there, listen to other teachings, find other people, perhaps in your house or someone you know that's a follower of Jesus. Let them know, man, I just believed upon Jesus for the first time. Or perhaps I believed on Jesus for the first time sincerely. I've been in church my whole life, but I never really understood it all or just sort of did it because it was a tradition. But if that's you, believing upon Jesus for the first time or the, for, for the first time sincerely, get a hold of someone who's a Christian. And begin just walking with them, talking with them, praying, asking questions, growing in your faith. That's what we're all doing here by getting together, even on YouTube or the church website. We're just 
growing together in our pursuit of Jesus. And so, people of the way of Jesus, I pray that this could be a blessing to you today, that we would be a people encouraged to not go beyond the word, but rather to get deep into the word and to be doers of the word and not just hearers only.